podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. It's Monday, gang. And we are looking back at the divisional round. What a lot we got to get into. Iron Mike is set. He's present. He's correct. So let's roll. Iron Mike, how are you this fine Monday morning? Ah, oh, everything's groovy, Dan. It's uh, it's really it's really good. I'm feel I'm feeling okay. You know, it's been a funny season in a lot of ways. It's been a funny playoffs, but I've done very very well picking the game straight up, which is no surprise because I always used to do it on Fridays, and now I do it Friday and sometimes on Saturday, even on Sunday morning. So I got mm-hmm. a better handle on the game. So I'm not surprised. I'm better, but it's like every week my best bet. <laughs> oh, here we go. Is like the one I get wrong. <laughs> I don't. I have this Story unerring instinct. <laughs> yeah, I have this unerring instinct to skip the games that I've picked. I've picked really well and then and then go for the one that i think looks great you know you should get a spot on edge rush with me because that's basically been my my story all season although uh my drew lock of the week was the Bengals plus five so that came in so that was that's okay yeah and i mean i was saying and i said this yeah i was doing another another podcast wait a minute what ollie do you hear that much like much like your edge rush um podcast but um we're gonna be talking about this in the off season i I was talk i was talking up big the jags plus eight and a half Mm. you know and that was that was going to be by and then i went i went with (laughs) (laughs) when i saw the weather report i said all right this is this is it obviously that that was wrong but but um you yeah, can't still... win them all, I might. You can't win them all. Let's start yeah. with uh, let's start with the late night game first. We'll go to 49. Okay, yeah, what a, what a great game that was too. Fascinating game, and there are so many things I want to ask you about it. Let's try and bring two or three points together. And can, and get can I ask the most important question first? Crash in on you <laughs> by your own by your own admission, might go for it. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell Linval Joseph? of the Eagles from Jonathan Hankins on the Cowboys. They're like these two big defensive tackles who keep popping up you know, on different teams every season because they're both great run stuffers. And, you know, and I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking at Jonathan Hankins in the Dallas game. He made a great play early in the game. I think, hang on. Didn't I see him yesterday? This guy, yeah, 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 yeah. Interchangeable. Well, that's a good point because the three things I want to ask you about, the three key moments in the game, obviously, uh, the much maligned Mike McCarthy. We're going to get into that and the uh, another bout of uh, crazy town clock management at the end, and indeed the decision to punt on fourth and ten as well. But the fact that he blew thirty seconds and changed it off the clock. There is the fact that Tony Pollard went out relatively early on, and I wonder how different the game might have been if if he'd stayed in. But there was also after the after the turnover when they were in the red zone after Ray and McLeod's fumble, and they were in the red zone. Well, they're about the 20 yard line, I think, something like that. And um, mm-hmm. which would be the red zone. And the play calling in that sequence of plays, then. So, bringing those three points together, how different would the game have been if they could have tried to establish a run and Pollard, obviously a key well, part? I of mean, that. the, the play did. calling and then the end. So, bring those together, yeah. your take on they, they did try to establish a run. Um, and yes, it was worse when Pollard was out, it was never going to work with just. Uh, right. Zeke, um, you know, Zeke doesn't have the burst. They were being very, um, they were being very kind. Olson was being very kind to him early in the game, you know, trying to define the difference between him and Pollard. But, but Pollard's obviously the guy who's got the burst and and, and the excitement. Mm. I thought when they, you know, when they scored their touchdown, it was a really good bit of play calling. Remember, they went, they had to go for um, 
they had to go for a fourth and one. They went on a jet yep. sweep. Yep. Um, then they then they ran um, they ran an option um, on one side, and then they ran Dak on a naked bootleg to the mm-hmm. other. And I thought that was a great series of play calling. You could see one play building toward the toward the next, but they they just went off that. I you know I don't know who calls the plays. Kellen Moore is the one who seems to get when it goes well gets all the credit. All Mike the McCarthy Mike McCarthy always gets all the blame. <laughs> um, and, but yeah, I, I thought they became they became very predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really have any options besides Schultz if you took C.D. Lamb out of the equation. And Lamb played a, a, a good game. I mean, you know, he did almost everything that he that he could, um, but, but apart from one play. Um, and Schultz isn't going to beat you. You know that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's no great feat to find him open. Um, and it might have been a slightly different finish if, if that pass that he caught wasn't ruled um, incomplete. Um, you know, because his, he was still juggling the ball when his, mm. when his, when his foot was down. Um, but I, I think, I think this, the story here was that they played about as good a game defensively as you could play against the Niners. And, mm-hmm. um, they shut them down the run in the first half. A party oh, yeah. was, Purdy was yeah. I mean, that, I mean, it, the interesting thing about Purdy, I guess, and we're going to get onto this Garoppolo story, which is fascinating that Garoppolo they're talking about the fact he might start in the championship game, but Purdy once again, composed, not spectacular, but did pretty much everything they, they needed him to a, against one of the best defenses in, in the league. What about the 49ers D Mike? Because oh, they, they were great. Were, were great. And, and they were, I guess the, the decisive part of, of the game, right? Because as yeah. well as stopping the run, everyone's saying it's a bad, that game, but so much of that was down to the 49ers D not so much. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting because, and I, I won't jump the gun to go to Cincinnati, but I thought that mm. the guy who didn't get enough credit in the Cincinnati game was Pratt. Um, and Pratt and Wilson did kind of the same thing that Warner and Dre Greenlaw did mm-hmm. uh, for the for the Niners. Um, and what that does, and this is what Buffalo could not do, um, just to bring it even to three teams. If you're going to play a strict four-man front, you know, and and even when Ebba comes in at end, it's it's still a pretty strict four man front. You and only two linebackers. Your linebackers have to cover a lot of ground and make a lot of plays, which those guys did, um, which Pratt did at stopping the run game in particular, but Wilson Wilson also, mm. um, and which my, Buffalo's two couldn't do. So Milano and Edmonds. Um, so and that's why since he had so much joy running up the middle, running up the gun. Yeah, it's one. It's one of the one of the big uh, big points. And they sort of knew their line neutralized um, what's what is a very good Buffalo line. And I think, um, I think that uh, Romo's was it Romo? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Nansen Romo. Yeah, Nansen Romo. That Romo's comments about Von Miller were were straight because one of the things if you're going to have a four man line, you don't have to have a great pass rusher. But it really helps if you it do, sure, um, and sure. you see it with Bosa. You know, teams have to mm. teams have to account for Bosa before they start thinking about the the rest of the line. And, mm. and frankly, Buffalo's best pass rush is probably Ed Oliver, but he's mm. rushing from the inside, which is you know, which is the hard the hardest way. Hey, you know, since we since we've gone to that game, Mike, I want to ask you on, on the line in particular. This was made a few points, I think, when there were penalties called partly because of the. Uh, problematic communication early on between 
the Bengals line and Burrow, right? And actually it worked in their favor at least once, maybe a couple of times. Just to extend that, how much do you think, because it was this maligned offensive line, that was how Buffalo were going to win the game. The yeah, Bengals I thought that I thought that too. Yeah. And and how much of the the obvious limitations of having three backups in there changed their game plan? Do you think they they kept it simple? They really obviously they've got to deliver on the run, but they that was very much their MO, particularly because of the change in the line. Yeah, um, I think they ran the ball more for that reason. I think mm-hmm. that, and especially after they saw they were having some success with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the key to that, at least early on, was the tight ends. Um, there were a couple of those big runs by Mixon, where if yeah. you watch, Wilcox did a great job of blocking Edmonds or Milano, um, the line, which is what I was saying when you got the two linebackers. The end gets an angle on them, gives makes his life a little bit easier in in throwing those blocks. But you know they, they did a good job. And I remember I read somebody talking about Carman, who was um, you know was a tackle in college and probably could step up and play the game at, at left tackle. He did he did pretty well. You know the whole the whole line did. They they weren't. Uh, and what you saw early was both the Bengals throwing quick, which you would expect kind of behind behind that line, but also Burrow dodging the first rusher mm. um, really effectively, and then and then throwing and releasing, uh, you know, uh, on the move basically, and that made mm. that made a huge difference, and it made it with all the quarterbacks this weekend. You know, there was mm. a lot of of good pass pressure that quarterbacks avoided. And then and then got a good pass off. Mm. Um, Daniel Jones wasn't quite able to, uh, but that's that's another story. And I thought, from the Niners' point of view, the the last drive for a field goal, although it wasn't very spectacular, was actually the best drive they had mm. all game because they used up so much time. Um, they didn't panic. They ran the ball a lot. Uh, Elijah, I just went through it before we started talking. Elijah Mitchell carried the ball seven times on that drive. Right. Um, out of 14, I think it was 14 plays, yeah. And um, didn't gain much yardage, but it worked a lot of clock. It used up eight minutes, that that drive. And the yeah. successful plays were first down passes out of play action. Mm. And when you go back and look at the whole game, Brock Purdy was much more effective on play action than he was from the gun, mm. uh, even if they were play actioning out of the gun. And in the first half, I couldn't understand why they weren't, they were almost throwing exclusively dropbacks. And I mm-hmm. couldn't understand why they put Purdy in that position because the Dallas rush was really good. Mm. And he was, you know, he he never quite, he almost he he played like a rookie, but but managed not to make the big mistakes. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's composed and, and then, in, in that respect. Yeah. And and that's I guess what they're they're asking of him. And, and ironically asked of Garoppolo in the Super Bowl run to get to the Super Bowl at the NFC Championship run a few years ago. Just on that point you made, Mike. Because they couldn't establish the run, the 49ers, in the first half. They had 27 yards in total on the ground, 11. That's off 11 carries. So do the math there. It, they were trying it, but it wasn't working. But afterwards, they, they were able to more. And to your point, that then impacted the, the passing game positively because they could leverage the play action. Shanahan said in the presser after, we felt we really had to run the ball to negate their pass rush. And obviously, the Cowboys have got a hell of a pass rush and very much <laughs> where they're heading next, of course. It, yeah. It's going to be more of the same. So do you anticipate that that is going to be much like it was three, four years ago before the Miami Super Bowl. I remember when we were out there, we were out there all week, weren't we, and, and doing shows. And that was the talk after that championship game where Garoppolo only passed the ball about 10 times. And it was all about the run. And if they were going to do the same thing in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, do you think that will be their game plan against the Eagles to go heavy on the run, whoever's starting a quarterback? 
that's yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't see Purdy not starting. To, you to don't be, see him not starting. To, okay. to be perfectly honest, yeah, um, that will depend a lot on on situation. But I think the, I think they'll come out and they will try. I think they'll cut. They'll try to play action pass because I think the weak the weak spot for the for the Eagles it probably is in the middle line mm. lineback the the linebacking um and the Eagles play mostly they they shifted out of it um for a bit but they play mostly zone back there you know and and Brad um Bradbury's really good in zone and really bad not really bad but but not we you can. know not much, not that good in um in man coverage so mm. you know you can expect to see them play a lot of zone and try to contain uh the Niners that way it looked to me and I was you know I was went back and I was watching this morning um the stuff I do for you um <laughs> the um Dan Quinn there was this they made an interesting I think it was Olsen may have said it they in the interviews Shanahan knew said Dan Quinn knows what I want to do but I don't know what Dan Quinn's doing because he's running a completely different defense as to what he ran in Atlanta where he was basically running Seattle's defense mm-hmm. um you know and and um it looked to me like what they did was behind that front four they were constantly stringing out five guys um, doesn't matter whether you know what what alignment they were supposed to be in, whether those two outside guys were cor- were corners and 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 then the two the two um, safeties behind, and they were going laterally with with the um, with the uh, Niners. Mm. In in other words, because so much of the Niners' offense is motion to confuse you and to get guys out of position and, and to work on, on the plays that they were sort of keeping almost lane, what you'd might call lane integrity um, by, by sliding these guys, guys around And San Francisco took a while, I think, to try to scheme those guys out of that kind of discipline and, mm-hmm. and never really did it whole, you know, wholesale. It was Kittle in the second half who, who got and Ayuk got one, one really huge catch. Um mm-hmm. And and you know to be fair, Purdy was putting the ball in when he when he had to. Um, so it, it, it's a tough one to consider how they're going to get out because so much of it also depends on what the game situation is. That game was never out of reach for the Niners, even when they were down. But as you saw with the Giants, once Philadelphia went out to the the quick lead, the Giants were dead. So what you saw, not only were the Giants unable to come back like that, but especially against the Eagles, the Eagles had 268 yards rushing. Yeah. And that's what you do when you have the lead. You know, sure. you pass to get the lead, which is what Hertz did really well, you know, came out and said, oh, yeah, you thought I was rusty last week. You know, here <laughs> came out and passed really well. And then they um, and then they ran the ball to burn the clock, keep the lead. And, and there, there was nothing much um that it, that anyone could do about that. I I saw a stat somewhere that um, Hertz and Sanders are one and two in the league in yards before contact, which mm. is a stat I'd never seen before. I don't know who, <laughs> who keeps it, but but you know we we talk about yak and and guys who are great at yak, which is you know great. But with the Eagles, it's yards before contact. They're, there's their offensive line opens holes so well, and they mm-hmm. they, scheme, they scheme so well that that they. Uh, they they get no contact. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I can bring this back now because that's what San Francisco couldn't do um mm. for the most part against uh against Dallas. And and I give them a lot of credit for continuing with Elijah Mitchell in that fourth quarter drive, which to me is like the key of, to the game. Um and even when he was, you know, he gained 
what do you 26 yards that's probably most of that came on two carries um where he basically did it himself with yards after contact but they were willing to stick with that you know and and play it which you know Kyle Shanahan 28-3 28-3 what must have been pounding in his ha- head you know you got the lead you want to protect the lead um and then you kind of count on Dallas to to toss it away or well, to toss let, their chance at it away yeah. let's get into that so McCarthy is getting absolutely pelted once again because of course it's another example of woeful clock management I mean, was it, was it purely just indecision freezing him? Do you think that's what happened? Because the key is not, well, there are two points. The fact they went, they punted on fourth down. You could argue that was the right call because yeah, they got I, the I, ball back, right? Yeah, I mean, they're on their 18-yard yeah, line, right? right. It's, it's like, you know, you, at some point you've got to you trust your defense. Trust your defense. And they played well most yeah. of the night. And, 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 and that paid off because they did get the ball back. But they should have had it back with 30 certainly 20 seconds more time on the clock if they hadn't procrastinated and about <laughs> so what happened what do you think happened was it just a case of they were debating whether to i don't to- i mean yeah i i suspect it's part of this what i said before who calls the plays is it kellen yeah, right. Moore or is it mike mccarthy i think they were probably yeah. um trying to work that out you know and and uh, you know do they call jerry upstairs and say what do you want to do <laughs> boss <laughs> yeah i i mean <laughs> Brett Maher. Yeah. Oh, now, this, Brett, is, this is awful yeah. because in my column last week, I did my annual kicker cock up ratings, mm. which is my scientific program to it see who's, it. The, yeah, yeah. who's the most efficient kicker in the league. And yeah. Brett Maher was the most efficient kicker in the league. And what it what it does is it gives, quite simple, it gives you under, th- under 40 yards, you get three points if you make it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you get three points if you miss it. You get one point if you make it. I'm lost already. Okay. So. Yeah, 40 to 50, it's two and two. And over 50, it's three and one. Over 60, it's four and one. Okay. Okay. So based on a per kick thing, Mar mm-hmm. generated more points per kick under that system than anybody else okay. by a slight margin over Graham Cano. That doesn't make him the best kicker in the league. It just made him the most efficient. efficient. The season. Like so then he goes out and misses, misses four extra points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, Not the, very efficient. The same two days or yeah. two days after I announced that he's, the, the, he's the top kicker in the league. And um, and then you see Jerry Jones out there talking to him before the game. What could build your confidence yeah. more than have your <laughs> owner say? come out what and tell you? you yeah. I don't know what he said, but I sure it was something like, I was in Dallas in November 1963, <laughs> and I still know the people who can do the job if you so miss what, another. So what we're concluding here is not, not only did Jerry Jones threaten him before, before the game, which uh, we seem to watch that very closely, but also you effectively, Cowboys Nation, you have Mike Carlson to blame for the absolute meltdown. Yeah, and then he um, kicked the two field goals. And if you remember back, yeah, for Pete, you know, back yeah. the, the press has very little memory. But if you remember mm-hmm. back to his early years, the, the book on him was he had a strong leg. He was good from, you know, long distance and he was horrible on the intermediate kicks and the short yeah. kicks, you know, and, and he overcame that until last week, uh, which is probably the playoff yips. Um, yips yeah. was the big word uh, over in the, you know, it's great that Fox has like 23 guys in a line, <laughs> <I really love laughs> you know, to, to, and they all, all they can say is yips. 
<laughs> Sean Payton. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Jerry. Jerry, Jimmy. You're right, Jimmy. Jimmy. Uh, he's got the yips. Yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> the only guy who didn't say yips was Gronk. <laughs> I think they should try to get more people in the studio next season at halftime. Abby said, um, more is better. More is always better. And cut the amount better. of time that yeah. they have to speak. Add a few more commercials. <laughs> what do you prefer more? The, the halftime chat where they each say something for about 11 seconds or this is absolutely my favorite thing in the whole of sports broadcasting the start of the second half report a chat with the coach <laughs> just, it just gets better and better every time yeah. i see it mike mccarthy said oh i'm the coach <laughs> <laughs> sean payton said <laughs> beep 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 <laughs> at least you- it's man it's mandated by the league coach you had three turnovers in the first half what are you going to do about that we're going to try again less turnovers in the, in the second half. I, mean, I mean you learn so much oh i'll tell you <laughs> yeah. what and, and what was what's his name tom petrino tom randino randini or blandino blandino oh, yeah no. whatever his outfit you know, they they go from Aaron Andrews, who's who's like doing a Ringo Starr imitation, where she's got like rings on, <laughs> on every finger yeah. on the side, and then they go to him, and he's got this check jacket and this pocket hanky, and his in his yeah. thing is one color, and his his like metallic tie and stuff. And, and literally, literally, it froze. <laughs> the screen froze. Now, I think they were I think they were just trying to go to the sideline camera, and somebody got yeah. the switching wrong. But I just thought, oh my god, he's ruined my he's ruined my computer. <laughs> I think he was sending people pharmaceuticals after the game. Uh, on uh, on McCarthy, is he a goner? Well, I said so a couple of weeks ago, but I thought they were going to go to Sean Payton because mm. um, I know Jerry wants Sean Payton. You know, mm. I, I know it. I can see it in his eyes. But whether or not they want to give up anything to get Sean Payton or maybe they'll wait another year. Um, and uh, I, I suspect that if he doesn't lose anybody – he'll probably stay stand pat for one more year. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, recency bias is a horrible thing in the playoffs because sure. it, it changes, it can change your perception of the entire year vis-a-vis mm. Daniel Jones, for example. You right. know, last week we we're saying, well, they've done a great job coaching Daniel Jones. They can probably, you know, get by with him as the quarterback for next year, make some kind of, you know, franchise him or or yeah. make some kind of some some kind of reasonable deal with him. And that's still true, I think, even though he, you know, his his shortcomings were exposed um in, in this game. But mm. the, you know, the good thing for, for the Giants, who have a difficult decision to make, obviously, is that the market for him will not be huge. Because that recency bias applies to other teams as well. They're going to look sure. at Daniel Jones and think, "Well, I'm not sure that we want to, you know, tailor our offense to this guy the way that the way that Brian Dayball did." So, yeah, um, you know, recent, you know, Mar is is going to be a case in point. You know, he had a very good season and then and then goes out and blow, you know, blows four extra points. You know, somebody put up it. They found the last time that had happened. Mm. It was the Canton Bulldogs in tw- in nineteen twenty two. I was going to say, I'm amazed it has happened before. So yeah. Pete, yeah, Pete Henry um, missed four drop kicks. <laughs> well, that's hard. He was, he was playing tackle. <laughs> he was there to kick their kicker. The tackle drop kick. I love this old school. Old school. They didn't have the designated kicker. They should do it. that. You know, they. they that's should a make pro ball. That. That's definitely something for the pro ball. Offensive lineman drop kicking. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Drop kicking extra point contest. On just on that though, like I, I get, I get it. And there's a great point about recency bias because it is, it is far too pervasive. Uh, in in terms of. Uh, decisions getting made and, and opinions getting formed and fired out from the sidelines 
but with kickers and i have sympathy it's a position i'm fascinated in i i have sympathy with him but that it's more understandable, surely, if he's cut. Oh, yeah. Kick, you know. Kickers kickers are so inconsistent year to year, you know. Um, and I, I suppose it's like golfers, you know, where, yeah. you know, because the kicking swing is often compared to the golf swing. And, yeah. um, you know, and circumstance, my, my formula doesn't take into account circumstance, obviously, which mm. is, you know, guys in Denver kick farther. Guys in domes have an easier time than guys yeah. in Baltimore or Buffalo or New England or whatever. Um, and to but, your point earlier, significance of the game as well. Yeah, a clutch kick. Yeah, a clutch yeah, right. kick clutch is kick. is different from one when you're leading by 25. You know, maybe um, you should add a bonus point scheme for a game winning kick. I would do that, except I'd have to go figure out which ones were the game winning kicks, and that would take Far too, too much, much time. Yeah, fair enough. Um, who's the best kicker in the league by by like acclamation? Tucker, Tucker, right? Tucker's. Tucker has been in the top 10 virtually every year that I've done this thing. He's not, he's rarely been in the top three, but mm. he's always in the top 10. And, and I, I think part of that is that he kicks in difficult situations. Mm -hmm. um, and part of it is that we don't, it doesn't account for clutch, you know, and I went back, I mentioned that, you know, his most clutch kick might've been one that beat the Patriots in, in the, in the game where the kick actually wasn't good. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> you know, it went, it went, it went over the upright, you know, and, and the question was, was it, was it inside the upright or outside the upright? And, and, you know, they were yelling and moaning about, Oh it. yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's we, right. That's the Adam Corona. We, we, we did that. We did that. Yeah. yeah. We did. You and I, we should and, have 50 and, yard, uh, 50 feet rather. Yeah, fifty feet post that just go all yeah. the way up into the sky, or like dotted lines on the screen. <laughs> yeah. well, um, we, yeah, but I remember us arguing about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. They, they I'm surprised they haven't thought of that. You know, mm. they could extend the goalposts. Uh, they Crow could also. I, I keep waiting for somebody to do the. You know, because the, the goal line extends all the way around the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I keep waiting for someone to do an animated graphic when Debo Samuel like dives for the pylon or or something like that, and then and then show it extended like through <laughs> through Rome, <laughs> through you know, through Asia. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I you got to be on the same latitude. Well, don't, <laughs> so, yeah. don't confuse me, Mike. Um, unless you're playing in Buffalo, then you could probably do it with the Arctic. <laughs> yeah, that'll. Yeah. Well, I, let's get that because. As you rightly said, I think when the when the pictures came on and uh, and it was clearly going to be a snow game of sorts, I messaged Propo because Propo not only being a Bengal but also went on a very big rant on Edge Rush, which uh, apparently he edited <laughs> quite a lot of. So Propo's going, we're going to release the full rant. We'll add it as an yeah, you should, track. yeah, yeah. Um, uncensored, un definitely, definitely uncensored. The uh, focus was simply put the Bengals are being disrespected and that was actually our line on on edge rush which is why it was my Drew lock of the week that this was not uh logical despite the offensive line was now i guess as we've touched on the way that the line played perhaps surpassed even I, the most optimistic yeah, expectation. yeah but i think propo had a good point and, and i considered it after i'd made my best bet <laughs> Last year, for example, Burrow was playing behind a really awful offensive right. line, and they still went to the Super Bowl. Right, and and they were so you, you have to give them. You know, we I think a lot of us again recency bias. You fall prey to it, mm -hmm. um, but kind of gave gave the injuries there more more concern than than they actually caused because mm -hmm. Burrow is is sensational under that kind of pressure, um, and and he has what is. Arguably, um, the best 
group of three wide receivers in the league. And I'm you've the, been t- pushing that all season long. Yeah. And it's really come to come to the fore that, I mean, in that first drive in particular, right? I mean, Higgins got a look, Chase got a look, Boyd. I mean, and but to underpin it as well, Mixon had 105 on 20 carries in the score as well. Yeah, and and that was the key to the game, really, um, because it, it kept Buffalo it from putting anything together. And Buffalo, you had some more of that strange play calling where, you know, mm. on like third and short, they're taking the deep shot and not connecting. And, you know, if you take the deep shot, everyone will say, oh, great play call if Stefan Diggs runs under the ball. Um, if you overthrow him, then, you know, God, you know, wait, why don't you do it on first down? Um, right. And, and then make it up um, afterwards. And they they did that last week as well. And it was, it was hard to figure out. And I think it let Miami keep the game closer than, than it should have been. Um, but, you know, they, they weren't going to, they weren't going to let them, um, they weren't going to let them dominate the game. They, they did a great job stuffing the run. They were good up front, um, you know, really good up front reader, and like I said, I thought Pratt played a really good game, um, especially in in run stopping. And the Bills couldn't do the same thing. Um, and yeah, it'd be great if they had Von Miller, but Von Miller's thirty five years old or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if he gets hurt, that's that shouldn't surprise you. And they have a patchwork secondary, uh, and and they lost um, Marlowe, which meant it was an even more patchwork secondary. And it's not mm-hmm. quite as good as as it as it seemed. I mean, you know. I go back to the Patriot game and I kept saying, you know, if you take those two kickoff returns away and one of them should have been taken away for, for holding penalty, mm-hmm. it's a much closer game. You know, and right. if you give, if you don't take away the Patriots touchdown to Parker for the, for a real bullshit call mm. on, um, on um, Hunter Henry mm. for, for offensive pass interference and, you know, where he's just he and a guy are dancing five yards off the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, that's a really competitive game. Yeah. They, you know, they they could have won that. They were in a position to be able to win that. You know, and um, they weren't so, fluent against they weren't fluent against Miami either. It's no, a, it's a it's a great point. No, they they took the they took the lead and then they they basically gave it back to Miami. Right, right. Um, Mike, the speaking of bullshit calls, do you think Chase's touchdown should have stood the one that they said they didn't have control of? I th- I thought that was a really I I thought play. see I I explained this one on Twitter last night. Mm. And to me, the they enforced the rule and it's um, what's the word they use? Not interpretation, but you know they have a application. Well, I forget what the word is, um, the, which is how they tell the referees to interpret the rule. Um, that's by the letter of the rule. It was an incompletion. By reality, it's a complete pass. That's, yeah, that, that's yeah. what I thought. Um, and they need to change the rule because to me. Once you're in the end zone with both feet down and possession, exactly, it's you touchdown. should get a touchdown. And the fact that you get hit after that, you know, it wouldn't apply if you were running back. Exactly, the break and, the play and it's a score, right? And for and for a, a receiver to have to do a quote unquote football move to establish himself as a runner to me is ridiculous. Yeah, because so many catches are in situations you're jumping up for the ball as you're coming down the wrong way yeah no but your feet you have control your feet hit the ground that Mm -hmm. used to be that's what it made that's what made a completion Mm -hmm. and i think they should go back to that Mm -hmm. um i also think that the difference between control and possession ought to be re-examined because he never lost possession of the ball sure 
It's just he lost control of the ball. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't care. Nobody else had it. He came, he made the catch, he came down, he still had the ball. And no, it's marginal and, as well. I mean, yeah. losing control. And it wasn't yeah. even sort of bobbling around no, like I, that, I, about to drop it. You know, I thought I, mean, I thought, you know, changing. I agreed with you, but mm-hmm. but you know, by the by the rules, mm-hmm. it, the call was not incorrect, you know. Yeah. And I wind up trying to rant more about calls that are incorrect than calls yeah. that are, you know, that that are um that are correct but the rule is the rule is bad the rule is and the they've rule. been they've been playing with that rule for 20 years now and they only all they've done is make it more complicated you know <laughs> and and seriously and more ambiguous yeah. um yeah, yeah. and i you know i i think what is a catch, oh, a catch is... i've got it i've got him going oh i'm sorry <laughs> what i said to has, ollie, ollie, has ollie just fainted or what? <laughs> i think ollie's gone to make a cup of tea well quite wisely um Hey, Mike, let me ask you about Anaruma because when we were watching the game <laughs> yesterday, uh, Propo and I were messaging each other. And uh, unsurprisingly, he uh, is what this is what he wrote. How has he not got an in- I'd, I'd written to him, Anaruma is a genius. And Propo wrote to me, How has he not got an interview? Callahan has, but not Anaruma. And then about four minutes later, Tony Romo, presumably. Um, also in our WhatsApp group, <laughs> made the point. And he actually did it the other way around, where he said, owners across the league, Lou Anaruma, and then he plugged Callahan as well. Oh, and Callahan, Callahan <laughs> as well. But what what's going on? Why hasn't Anaruma? Because... Well, he's a bit older, I think, is the main is the main thing. And that's mm. not glamorous, um, no. you know, to bring back a, or to bring a, a older coordinator who's not had head coaching experience you know leslie frazier is not as old as anaruma um but he's been a head coach um so his name um wink martindale's probably in that category as well although i think anyone (laughs) when owners or gentlemen look at wink martindale i think they they see another kind of buddy ryan or something you know he just looks rex ryan or no no rob ryan he looks looks more like an aging (laughs) rob ryan you know it's like it's like oh i don't know he looks a little weird to me but he's a great coordinator um he and he and dayball were definitely on the same page Mm. you know last week um this week there wasn't much they could Mm. do um but anna rumo has been brilliant as a defensive coordinator. now the other thing and owners and GMs, whoever makes the decisions, ignore this a lot. But there's a huge difference between being a good coordinator and being a good head coach. Well, right. So, and, and maybe know, he doesn't want to be as well. Like I said to all on the chat yesterday, maybe maybe he doesn't want the gig. Maybe well, he's happy being a coordinator. The, the, the strangest thing last week was that um, Ben Johnson mm-hmm. announced he wasn't going to take a head coaching job this yeah. year. Yeah. And he wanted to stay with the Lions because they had something going, you know. And that reminded me that Byron Leftwich had pretty much done the same thing last yeah. year. Turned, yeah. He turned down the Jags job, right? Um, that went well. <laughs> yeah, the rumor or the rumor or whatever was that he didn't want to work with Trent Baalke as GM. Mm. But yeah, but I mean, now he's not. No one's going to ask Byron Byron Leftwich no, to be the sure. coach. And, and the that. same thing could happen next year with Ben, with Johnson. ben Johnson. You know, it's this kind is... of like one of those opportunities you need to you grab. grab it. Yeah. It's a really interesting point, you know, because I respected Ben Johnson and also not just for the the loyalty factor and the fact that he, as, as he said, as you you outlined, hasn't finished work, sees the potential, thinks they can really develop. But I also get the logic that I'm going to spend a few more years before I take the gig. It's particularly because of the pressure of moving on up, moving on up and the hips, the zeitgeist, young head coach. I quite respect the commercial savvy there, but the flip side is you're right. Bad season, bye bye. I mean, if the if the Lions, we love the Lions. We hope they make the playoffs. They probably will. 
crazy early hot take. Well, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll yeah. be the if everyone says which team that didn't make the playoffs would be your will be the pick. Right? The, players. Yeah. the Lions will yeah. be the pick. Yeah, but they go six and eleven. He's out of a gig. And he's out probably of a gig. not yeah. a head coach. Yeah, he's yeah. not a head coach. Definitely not a head coach. The uh, just on the Buddy Ryan, I think that's where I go as a as a team owner. Even now, even in twenty twenty three, I go unreconstructed <laughs> mid eighties. My my favorite Buddy Ryan quote was I think it was his first year with the Eagles and they went like I don't forget it was five five and five and nine or you know four and ten something like that and after at the end of the season press conference one of the reporters said how would well what grade would you give yourself for coaching he said A plus <laughs> of course he said A plus <laughs> but oh, you know funny. I I just look and you know there are Mike McDaniel this year apparently said that he's the head coach of the offense. And what's his name? Boyer's the head uh, mm-hmm. Boyer's the head coach of the defense, you know, and you can't do that when you're the head coach, mm. you know, you, your responsibility is all three aspects of the game. You know, it's there in the end, they're your decisions. You have, you have to tell your coordinator what you want. Mm. Um, you know, we're going in to play this team. How do you see them? Now, what I want to do is to keep them away from X and Y, I, you know, um, what I want to do special teams is, you know, is, is try to get, try to set up punt returns, not, not block punts for, for this guy. And then your coordinator says, okay, you know, or he says, I'll well, look, look I've, yeah. I've seen this and this is what we can do and fine, mm-hmm. but you can't step away. And that's the big thing. You know, that was Buddy Ryan. Buddy Ryan was a defensive coordinator who was like a, a defensive player's dream. He loved mm-hmm his players hated the you offense know, he, he hated the <laughs> offense he literally hated quarterbacks you know if, if, if his players could injure his team's quarterback in practice he would applaud them you know he would and and you know that just doesn't work as yeah. as as a head coach and and you have to be able to kind of project which guys can be both the ceo yeah of of the game and the inspirational leader that the team needs, you know, yep. whether whether it's rah-rah stuff or whether it's just keeping everybody on an even keel and giving them confidence, um, which is another thing the Fox guys were going on and on about, about conf- who had confidence for this game, apart from, Brett Ma- apart from Brett Maher. <laughs> <you> <laughs> everyone know, else. Who, everyone, Brett. yeah. Um, but, you know, so it's a more complicated job than X and O's. And what you've been getting is a, mm. is a lot of these young offensive guys who come out of good programs. Yeah, you know, and therefore have learned. But have they? They're not even the guys who've been calling the offenses on those teams many mm-hmm. times. The from the McVay, from the Sean McVay and the Shanahan, you know, um, staffs. You know, they're they're smart kids. They're they're um, you know they they might be offensive geniuses and they're each in their own way. But they haven't actually even called the plays. They've been the assistant to Shanahan to the head coach who calls the plays. Mm-hmm. And this is this is um, oh, um, McConnell. Um, in, in Minnesota, it's oh, O'Connell, yeah, O'Connell. It's it's McDaniel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's the Lafleurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of them, and and it's I a think big jump, yeah. I think Anarumu gets should get huge credit. I mean, he's so good at game planning and then adjusting as well mm-hmm. um, during during the game and hiding things. But also, you got to give some credit um, offensively mm-hmm. to Callahan. Uh, for the for their offensive game plan in this, they they basically knew what they had to do and they executed it really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Callahan also has the advantage of being a legacy of a nepotism. Um, the example you're giving there, it's like Taylor Mason to Bobby Axelrod in billions, the protege, but 
brilliant with the algorithm, brilliant with the numbers, not great with people. And Bobby Axelrod says this is as much about the game as anything else. He's oh, played- so you're going you're going to turn this into a Generation Z kind of kind of thing? You know, where yeah, next these, Gen Z. These, these kids these kids who grow up on computers <laughs> and stuff don't know how to talk to people. I mean, <laughs> apart from a few quid, that Bobby Axelrod and I are such similar people. <laughs> I'm like, that's uh... you can make an argument about you know, and I, and people have done it. And I'm not I'm not convinced it's true, but you know, they make the argument that Bill Belichick at, at Grumpy Get Off My Lawn, um, 71, I guess he is, um, you know, is not is having a hard time communicating to the younger generation yeah. what it what it is that, you know, the Patriot way, as they say, is all is all about. And that yeah. includes coaches because he he's lost you know, so many of his young assistant coaches who, and, and front office people who he's brought along in the mm-hmm. system, you know, that all of a sudden you bring in people and, and he now is going for, you know, oh, his, his, his buddies that, you yeah. know, that he feels yeah. comfortable with uh, yeah. everybody, everybody on their short list for offensive coordinator, you know, either played or coached for the Patriots <laughs> or, or the Browns. I yeah. mean, it goes back, uh, it goes back to my, I think it was McCardle was, yeah. was with the Browns, right. Or something like that. But anyway, yeah. 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 Yeah, the, us Sticky old guys have trouble. Sticking with his crew. Us like old it. guys have trouble with the young people, and the young people yeah. have trouble with anybody who's not online because they <laughs> they haven't learned how to talk to people face to face. Oh, as well as doing our Gen X v Gen Z, we got to get Carson in with a boomer. Boomer versus Gen X. That's Gen Z. We'll do a special. We'll do a special in the offseason. I can't wait for that. Hey, let's talk Chiefs. We've got to talk Chiefs. Yeah. Uh, we've got to talk Mahomes' injury. So I mean, firstly, keeping him in the game, high ankle sprain. And if he gets a high ankle sprain, as Propo and I were chatting about just before we started taping, say this was week 10, right? Mahomes gets a high ankle sprain. He's out for a couple of weeks, typically. That's typically, how you know, to hold him for two, three weeks, probably with, depending on the severity, at, at least. So I don't think there's any question Mahomes will suit up for yeah. the championship game. Was it a mistake to keep him in uh, and potentially risk the, risk the injury knocking him out completely given that chad henney looked pretty comfortable chad henney did look good didn't he i mean and he is comfortable in that he, and he knows the system and um but i i can there's a lot of excuse they're, they're a different team when mahomes is in and sure. you know and and um you even you even got the commentary when he when he threw a little jump pass off his left leg instead of his right leg, um, mm-hmm. which he which he's capable capable of doing. We've seen Mahomes play injured before and hobbled, you know, and and it does make a difference because so much of his game is built on not necessarily running, but on extending the play with a few steps here or there. And part of that is being able to push off your ankle to me that's the the crucial thing is mm. if if he's going to go to his left he really wants to be able to push off his right um and he may not be able to do that as well although watching lane johnson who has a torn muscle in his groin mm. <laughs> the, the adductor muscle um which some of us you know you really want one of those exercise to perfection over the years um but, you know, there's not there's not there's not a toradol there's not enough toradol in the world <laughs> to make it, to make that pain go away in, in the end and that's kind of yeah. what Mahomes I think will will be looking at and so I don't doubt that they will um they will uh, they will play him if if mm. he can't go in the end they'll turn to um they'll turn to Henny um maybe run a lot of shotgun quarterback sneaks with Kelsey and Gray um, but to me, to me, the key things are Anna Rumo, 
they they've obviously Mahomes is zero and three against the Burrow quarterback Bengals. Yep. Jason Kelsey, it, uh, sorry, uh, Travis Kelsey in those mm-hmm. three games has caught nineteen passes um, for one hundred and seventy six yards and mm-hmm. two touchdowns, and and had the fumble last year in the in the game in week uh 18 17 i think um that that was crucial so he's been kept pretty much under control by that offense and i think to a large part they depended on him so much against jacksonville that that's going to be the key almost for cincinnati to take him out of the game and and dare the dare them to beat you with the wide receivers um and they should be very good at it because their safeties are are particularly good mm. and on the other hand the, the question is going to be for the chiefs the secondary against those wide receivers and to an extent um uh, double eight the other double h um i always get them mixed up um hunter henry hunter, oh, hunter henry. henry and um you know but but um the weak point for kansas city to an extent has been deep deep passing mm-hmm. um if they go man coverage which they sometimes have to do um they're they're vulnerable and it's it's going to be hard against these these receivers to rely on main on man coverage so i think these i think those are the interesting matchups um here and and i think the the chiefs if they can if they can establish the run it's going to be you know mm-hmm. it's going to be really interesting um I'm I'm not even sure which way I want to go on this game at this at this point. Well, it's early. We'll give you a give you a pass for a little bit, Mike. The ground game for the Bengals, as we said, so efficient, of course, against the Bills. Presumably, they'll lean into that again uh, against the Chiefs. Another weaker spot of this Chiefs D. Yeah, um, it's 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 funny because statistically, Bolton and Gay do a pretty good job. Um, the Chiefs are, are good up front. You know, Chris Jones doesn't really, mm. for a guy who gets so much, you know, notice, he doesn't really get enough respect um, because he doesn't come up, you know, because they move him inside out, he doesn't come up with the huge numbers. Um, yeah. But but he's he's really good and 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 really key to them um, inside. And I wonder if you get the one week delay factor in the mm. offensive line for Cincinnati right. where where they have the good game because nobody quite knows these guys you know how they're going to play how the unit's going to play as a group and then looking at the tape you say oh look at look at what he does you know or look at how he got away with that one or something like that and so you can see the points to attack um and i know this becomes an old argument because it was the wrong argument last week it doesn't become the right argument this week but i just wonder if that can mm. if that might be a, a bit of a a bit of a um, situation for the Bengals um, off off the week. Um, and the middle of the pack, actually, I mean, you know, in terms of yards, but in most most categories, actually, the the Chiefs run the certainly. Uh, that'll be interesting. That whole that whole matchup. What about the other the NFC Championship game, Mike? What are your early takes on that? <sighs> when I looked at the Giants in Philadelphia, I thought that the giants could keep the game close and and make it make it interesting um but if philadelphia jumped out to a lead they'd be they'd be useless i kind of feel the same thing about san francisco but san francisco's mm. defense is so good that they're going to be capable of um 
keeping this game close. I love the fact that you've got like three of the league's four best tight ends are still in the playoffs. Um, yeah. Which, which tell, tells you something. Um, and uh, only Mark Andrews is kind of out. Um, so I, I, I mean, I like San Francisco. I would love to see a San Francisco, Kansas city rematch because, you know, that game in Miami, um, I just thought they got jobbed out of that game so badly. Mm. Um, I'd love to, I'd love to see them rematched uh, with that. But um, I think we saw Philadelphia. It, it, it is very strange because everybody said, oh, Philadelphia is undefeated when they were 12 and 0 or whatever. Um, but they play in, in a terrible division. It's like yeah. playing a, you know, well, three of the teams in the division made the playoffs. So somebody had to be, you know, Dallas, Dallas turned into a legitimate top five team, I think, in the league, you know, um, and the Giants surprised everybody, but they were they were not an easy out, uh, not mm. a great team, but not an, not an easy out. Um, so I think you, you've got to give them credit for what they do uh, and what they do well. And, and the big thing will be whether that to me, whether that defense, which is big up front. You know, and they went out and got they got Sue and and they got Linville Joseph, you know, to add seven hundred pounds to the middle of the line <laughs> um, when David when Jordan Davis was out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that to me is the thing. Size doesn't necessarily work against San Francisco because what they're trying to do is move you laterally. You know, they're they're attacking you laterally. They want to get you following the flow one way and then get the ball going the other way. And big guys can't necessarily make that that change quickly mm-hmm. enough. Um, so you know, the only way it works is if you can push the whole thing back so that you're messing up the movement inside. The one kicker in that, much as I'd like to just say I, I'll take San Francisco in Philadelphia, is that the inevitable Purdy argument. Mm. You know, he at played some a point bit, is he gonna he, yeah, at some point he's going to play like a rookie. He played a bit mm-hmm. like a rookie in the first half last last week. He played a bit more like a rookie yesterday. Um, is he going to have a whole game where where he plays like a rookie? And Jimmy G is going to have to come off the bench with a Philadelphia cheesesteak in one hand and a is rocky that... a rocky robe, <laughs> rocky robe in the other one. You know, <laughs> well he won't be able to Yo, throw Paulie. the ball if he's, if he's Yo, carrying. Paulie, it's Jimmy G. <laughs> if he's carrying that. Jimmy G. Jimmy's not going to lose. Um, the so Jimmy, if he's if he's fit to go, you think that's the most likely way we'll see him? That Purdy has a meltdown enter Jimmy G as opposed to Garoppolo yeah. starting. Yeah, I, I I mean I don't understand how you how you would go with Garoppolo as a starter. I mean the the only well, argument I can his team for years is is the argument. Well, it hasn't really because it was Trey Lance's team until he got he got yeah, hurt right all of five minutes right. No, I get I get the point. But no, the but that's time, the, but that's the way that that's the way he's perceived by the team. So I don't I don't understand what the argument is for getting him back in. This isn't Bob Greasy experience. Back. He's been he's won a championship yeah, game. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a good argument. He's won it, the championship game. It, well, yeah. uh, no, I understand. Is, I, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, okay, but I don't think Shanahan's going to think like that. You know, this okay, isn't okay. Earl. It isn't Bob Greasy coming back to relieve Earl Morrill after sure. Morrill took the team to an undefeated regular season, and then Greasy took over in the playoffs, and they went. Mm-hmm. They continued to go um, un, undefeated. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't think. I don't think they're going to think that way. Okay. Um, okay. Be a tough one to do. Thanks, Brock. <laughs> it would be uh, no. It would be it would be it would be a shitty break for Brock, but for exactly the reason you've outlined, which is, uh, you know, I wonder if Shannon's thinking the same thing. I, I think I think long game, big picture, and yeah. if you if if you're thinking of going to Garoppolo, 
give Purdy his shot and then pull him, you know, yeah, and yeah, say, yeah. okay, kid, it's not your day. Don't worry yeah, about it, but yeah. we're going to let Jimmy go. You don't take him out before the game and say, mm-hmm. look, we like this guy better than you. You know, mm-hmm. I, I just, yeah, no, no, it makes it, sense. It's not the way I would handle, I would handle the men involved. Yeah. Um, even though Purdy looks like he's 16. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it has the composure of somebody at the final table of the World Series of Poker pretty much throughout every stage, <laughs> stage of the game. I like the way whenever he made a bad play, they would go to a close-up of him. And, and he I always was, he, he always his expression was always like, mm, you know, I missed that one, you know, yeah. or, but never upset looking, you know. Eerily calm. Unlike Dak, Dak Prescott, say. You know? <laughs> yeah, or Propo when he's trying to cut the show. Pro- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I do a shout out to Tony Romo? Of course you can. Oh, even though I was criticizing his concert. Mm. <laughs> I mean, how many times can you say, I don't know. <laughs> and then let Gene territory or whoever, whoever it is, come in and, and tell you what. You... Anyway, but I'd never heard Did anybody see when he say. When he got caught with chew, when he was chewing gum, when they cut no. to the vision, they got to the vision and Nance chucked through him under the bus. And he answered the question way too quickly. And Romo was like, it's. Yeah, that's why I never chewed gum when I was doing commentary. No, I just, I just, sushi. I just ate, I just yeah. ate sushi or stuff. And then if you call me out, oh, sorry, I can't. Got my mouth full of tuna. But, but I hadn't heard anybody, and maybe it's because I live this isolated, you know, uh, unwanted existence here out out in the country. Um, yeah, I hadn't heard anybody call those quarterback sneaks. Um, you know, those the mall that they run. Uh, yeah, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, t- the tush push. The tush push, yeah, I love the tush push. <laughs> that was that was brilliant. That was wasn't great. It? Yeah, I wish I'd thought. I wish I'd thought of that. It was know? very odd, Mike. I, yeah, I, I thought. Yeah, I thought you'd like the tush push. I'd forgotten you said. Yeah. Pretty soon they'll have like a specialist tush pusher. You know? Oh, I love oh, oh, they're, they're, they're putting yeah, they're putting Ricard in the game now. He's the tush pusher. Just just on the roster for that. That would be great. <laughs> so just going back to my dream franchise, uh, I've got. Uh, a and Ryan, what's, probably, buddy. I've got a tush. What city? Uh, what city is your dream franchise? I think Reno. I think it's got to be in Reno. <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I feel Reno is ready for a franchise. Uh, I'm going to get uh, Taylor Mason from Billions just just to be the offensive coordinator. She, she can't run. They can't run the uh, uh, as head coach. Brilliant. Who's, stuff your, like- who's your Who's your general manager? Donald Trump Jr. <laughs> so I think that would be. Did you great. see? Well, did Donald you Trump see Jr. Trump- and Hunter Biden will be coaching. Yeah. Did you see? Him. Did you see Trump announced that he won it? the championship at one of his clubs just over the weekend that this was a sign of his strength and stamina was that he was the club champion at one of the clubs he's owned. And have you ever read Rick Riley's book, Commander, Commander and Cheat? No. Which details all the ways he cheats on the golf course. And of the, like the 21 championships he claims there's like one from a club that wasn't actually open, but he he played with four guys and won the foursome and declared himself champion for that year. Um, some of them are like the super senior champion, but he just calls it the champion. One of them was he was away at one of his golf clubs and and uh, some guy won the, the club tournament and Trump came back. So I beat him all the time. Put my name up there. And the guy works for him. So okay, he puts sure. his name up. Okay, boss. Oh, it's brilliant. a great it's a great book it's hugely hugely funny oh, he's oh. great Rick Riley. i would think i will seek seek that out i mike as indeed i will your patreon column which uh, you'll be dropping later on this week patreon.com forward slash mike Cousy, I, fmt yeah. i figured out that last year i wrote two hundred and thirty six thousand words on patreon wow. and that's, that's just lot, three that's three columns <laughs> yeah i think i'm getting paid about a, i don't know 
<laughs> a food stamp of a word. We'll work it well. Going back, I might uh, back the cause pledge uh, and you will drop <laughs> in or the articles will drop in to your inbox uh, each and every Friday at Carson Sports. It's how you follow the big man on Twitter as well. Good to see you, man. Enjoy. It's always, always fun. Yeah. And now the sun's still shining. I just, this is my kind of weather, bro. Oh, I you love know, this. Cold, love cold this. and sunny. Cold and crisp. As long as it's bright. This is what light. we call, this is what we call spring in Montreal. <laughs> yeah. You love that. We're going to enjoy that sun. Say hi to Rufus. Check in next week. I will. Bye-bye. Bye. Podcast Network.